Hey, Laker fans, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for listening so much. The season has begun. The first five games are in the books. And you guessed it, we have not won a game yet. Pretty rough start to the season. Um, Before the season even started, I think it was the day of the opener, we got news, which didn't come as a big surprise, that Steve Nash... Hurt his back again, and he would be out for the season. So, goodbye, Steve Nash. Thanks for the good times. Thanks for the memories. You're a great player, Hall of Great, Hall of Fame player. Uh, but yeah, that wasn't a huge surprise. But it's a bummer all the same because it's one less player that we have. Then we get to the first game. And then what happens? The one hope that we had of the season, the one thing besides Kobe playing well that we could hang our head on, which is youth and the future, Julius Randle, number seven draft pick, who had flashes of good play. I was, I was going to say excellence, but I think that's going a little far. Flashes of good play during the preseason, inconsistent at best, but still our biggest hope for the future uh, broke his leg. First game of the season, and he has a busted tibia, and he will be out for the rest of the season. So, fantastic. Things are uh, not looking good, and this was before we even finished our first game. So, we all know we haven't won a game yet. Looking at the schedule, there doesn't seem to be that many winnable games in our foreseeable near future. So, things are looking uh, a little bleak. There's already the trade Kobe rumors have already started. Um, so things are things are not looking good. So if if you're looking looking to me to kind of talk you off the ledge, I'll I'll do my best. Uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat things, and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to be all all rah rah. Um, I'm going to be realistic, but I'm going to kind of call it as I see it, and and tell you what I think because that's that's why we're here, right? So thanks for, for listening. appreciate all the feedback that I'm getting um, and the questions I'm getting um, that I'm going to answer on the podcast are, are fantastic. Um, if you're not aware, we have a Facebook page. Uh, you go to Facebook um, slash Ask Laker Lance. You can uh, find us on Twitter. We have a Twitter page at Ask Laker Lance and you either one of those two places, you feel free to come on by and you can ask the questions. Anything you want me to ask or talk about on the podcast, I will be happy to discuss at length. Um, we got some really great questions for this podcast that I cannot wait to get to. First batch of questions comes from Joe, who is a, a frequent contributor to the podcast. Um, Joe has uh, some questions. Um, I'll read what he says. He says, you're the GM. What moves would you make to help the Lakers? And do you think we should cut Boozer 
and lend a break or just cut them? And if things continue to be this bad, do you think we should go into rebuild mode and hope we land a top five pick so we can keep the Phoenix pick? All right. Excellent questions, Joe. Thank you so much. Let's get into it. So his first question, you're the GM. What moves would you make to help the Lakers? Okay, that's that's dicey um, and actually not that hard to answer because there aren't that many moves to make. Uh, I don't see this as Mitch and Jim are sitting on some sort of possibility that they're not pulling the trigger on. Uh, there's not much to do. Uh, right now. Uh, I had a plan over the summer. I had that that Ask Laker Lance plan, which involved uh, signing um, Lance Stevenson, re-signing Powell, and uh, getting one one other player, and then filling the team around that with Kobe. That did not happen, um, which was a bummer. The other player probably being a point guard like Isaiah Thomas, Eric Bledsoe, somebody of that of that caliber, all of which would have helped us immensely uh, they did not sign Lance Stevenson, nor did they sign another point guard named Eric Bledsoe or Isaiah Thomas, even though I think both of them would have loved to come and play uh, with Kobe and the Lakers. We couldn't. We didn't even re-sign Powell, which, granted, is... I don't blame Mitch and Jim for that. We, we paid Powell, or we offered Powell a contract of basically two years, $20 million, and he turned it down for less money to go to Chicago. Um, he could. He knew Chicago had a good team, and, and they were up and coming, and they would probably use his talents, and probably most importantly, he knew that if he went to Chicago, he would probably be appreciated and would not be used as trade bait every single day of the season like he was used here. And that's just the reality of it, and that's tough to deal with. I talked about that before, that... That's got to be hard for him to deal with every single day, having to ask questions about being traded. Do you think you're going to get traded? We heard rumors about this trade, that trade. When you're the only tradable piece and you hear that every single day and the management does not come, does not come out and say, we are not trading Pau Gasol, obviously because it's not true. They would trade Pau Gasol if they could get something decent for him. Uh, but that's got that got old, and you know that got old, and that would that would. That would be tough for anybody to deal with. So he's not having to deal with that in Chicago now, and so I'm sure he's he's much happier. So, you know, you know, good for you, pal. I mean, I I, I hope you do well. I've always been a huge a huge fan of Pal. I'm, I'm glad he's in the East now, so it's a little easier for me to be, you know, like go pal. But it's still a bummer. But the point being that Mitch Kupchak and and Jim Buss did do everything that they pretty much could to keep Powell. They offered him more money than anyone else was offering him, um, possibly more money than anyone else should have offered him. But that's kind of the Laker way. They like to, if, if guys that are valuable to the franchise and guys who have really worked and, and taken us places like championships, they, they treat them well. And they attempted to do that with Powell, and he he chose to to go elsewhere. So they did attempt to to make that move, uh, even though it didn't work out. Uh, but getting back to what I would do if I was GM, it's it's tough because, yeah, I think their hands are kind of tied right now. I mean, I I feel like they kind of went for it in free agency when they went and tried to get 
um, tried to get LeBron, and they tried to get Carmelo Anthony. They offered both of them practically max contracts to come, which would have put us over the luxury tax. Again, this is the first year we'd be under the luxury tax, but they would have thrown all that right out the window if uh, either one of those two guys decided they wanted to come here and play in L.A., then they would have said, screw it, screw the luxury tax, pay them, let's do this. Uh, so I think, to no fault of, of their own, neither LeBron or Carmelo chose to come here. It's very rare that that happens in free agency. Usually nine times out of ten, the player's going to re-sign where he was before because that's where they can get the most money. You know, And with the exception of LeBron going to Cleveland, that's almost always what happens. So they, but they, I give them credit for going for it and, you know, offering, I mean, they offered Carmelo more money than I think he would have been worth, but they wanted to get him here and they thought that he would be effective with Kobe, which I, I think he would have. Um, I mean, would we be instant championship contenders? I not with the rest of the team set up around them, but we definitely would be better than we are right now. Um, but that didn't work out, and here here we are. Lance Stevenson signed with, uh, with who did he sign with? Jordan's team, um, Charlotte, and Eric Bledsoe signed. Isaiah Thomas signed. So now those guys are gone. They're off the they're off the boards. So I mean, there there are guys who we could sign. I mean, old guys, you know, who might give a little spark to the team. But how much is it really going to help? Ray Allen is sitting at home right now, waiting for somebody to sign him. You know, we could pick him up. Would it Would it push us over over the hump? No. I mean, we're so, we're so far below the hump right now that one practically retired player. Uh, is not gonna is not gonna do the trick, which is why we had so much hope in Julius Randle being the future. He's a young kid, only what 17, 18, 19 years old, a teenager, you know, with, fl- with flashes of excellence, and then and then him going down with a broken leg. Yeah, it's if I were GM, I would probably do exactly what Mitch Kupchak is doing right now which is stay the course, you know, don't make any sudden, drastic, desperate moves that's going to uh, make it hard for them to do something uh, next summer. You know, they, they've been waiting for this last summer that we just had, this last free agency period. We've been planning this for, for years because we knew in at, at, at 2014... LeBron was going to be available. Carmelo was going to be available. We want to have the money to go after these guys and offer them max contracts. And and they did. You know, everybody's screaming about Kobe's contract and how it's keeping the Lakers from being good. But Kobe's contract didn't stop them from offering LeBron max money or offering Carmelo max money. You know, they were they were completely ready and able to bite the bullet and pay these guys and pay luxury tax be damned. You know, they chose uh, they chose not to come. So I don't think it would be right to now have a knee jerk reaction and just go sign somebody else, just to sign somebody. You know, and if it's not really going to help us in the long run, 
I mean, what is gonna what is gonna help us in the long run? I mean, seriously, what what is the best thing for the Lakers to do in the long run? You know, it's almost like you know, get a get another high draft pick for next for next year. I mean, how far are we really gonna go? I mean, past the the storybook scenario of having a major league type turnaround where all of a sudden everything clicks and comes together and the guys start playing out of their minds and beating everybody. Um, aside from that, it's it's looking grim. Now, are we going to lose every single game? No, we're not going to lose every single game. Of course, we're going to win some games. Um, and there's good things happening with the team right now, and they're kind of finding themselves, even though the, the pressure, the pressure that they're under in, in Los Angeles, being a losing team, they're already hearing things like, you know, the worst opening of a season of any Laker team in Los Angeles and the only Laker team in the history of the franchise that has done worse was with the Minneapolis Lakers one year. I think it was in the 50s when they went 0-7, you know, and we're only one game away from tying that record. So, you know, that that's a lot of pressure to put on these kids. And they're, I mean, they're trying to, they're trying to deal with it. They're trying to work it out um, and trying to do the best that they can. But we really don't have that many great players i mean we got some good players you know but we don't have great players and there's really i don't see any great players out there that we could get even if they were available um for a trade who who are we going to trade like who do we have on the team that's worth that has any value other than kobe and and that's not going to happen that would be the stupidest thing we could ever do is trade kobe right now because one kobe doesn't want to be traded two kobe is the only thing keeping us in games right now. I mean, we've we've made pushes and comebacks in every single game, even though we've lost, all started with with Kobe. Well, that's not true. They didn't all start with Kobe. We had like a 13-1 run when Kobe was on the bench, I think when we were playing Golden State. But but by and large, the the maximum effort and scoring especially has been coming from from Kobe. I mean if you look at our, our last our last few games, and look at the score that we have lost by, and then look at how many points Kobe has scored. Imagine not having Kobe for those games. We would we'd be losing by 50, 60 points every single game. So the whole trade Kobe thing is to me is is ridiculous. Okay, Kobe is not the problem. Okay, and I've, I've been saying this for years. Okay, that's the rest of the team has to step it up. The rest of the team has to play better. Okay, Kobe is the focus because he's such a huge, larger-than-life figure, especially here in Los Angeles. But Kobe is is not the problem. Kobe is a weapon, a weapon to be used. When we look at Kobe as the entire team or the entire offensive scoring output, then we're not going to win games. And this has been true for 10 years. You know, but... But here we are. So, sorry, I don't mean to get long-winded. So, if I'm the GM, what moves would I make? I don't think there are moves to make right now, or any at least at least major moves. I mean, we might be able to get a the injured player exception for Steve Nash and for Julius Randle and free up a little bit of money to maybe sign somebody. But the roster's full right now. We're gonna have to cut somebody to sign somebody. Um, so, and it may happen. It it very well may happen. And there's there's some players that that might be okay, and it might help a little bit. But I don't see it helping a whole lot um, until next summertime when we have the, the chance of, of actually signing somebody 
somebody decent. And there are some really good free agents that are going to come become available this summer. Um, you know, I don't put all my eggs in that basket because that's exactly what we said last year. You know, oh, wait till the summertime. Oh, everybody's going to be available and we're going to go get somebody. I'm sure we'll try and, you know, maybe we'll get, convince somebody to come here and play and maybe maybe we won't. But I think the the more of the future is in is in the draft, which is why it was such a bummer to see Julius go down. Um, but but there you go. All right, second second part of Joe's question: Do you think we should cut Boozer and Lynn a break, or just cut them? Well, personally, I think we should cut them a break. Um, for us to have expectations of either of these two guys being the savior of the team, I think is is a little bit unfair. To them, um, do I think they should play better? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Do I think that I would wish they would be more consistent? Yes, I do. Um, but, you know, think about it. Carlos Boozer was waived from from Chicago. You know, we didn't trade for him. He was waived, which means Chicago said, we would rather pay you your contract for part of your contract so that you don't play for us. That's what we would do. I think they used the amnesty clause on him. So, and then we, we had to bid for him, and we, and we picked him up. I mean, is Carlos Boozer a good player? Yes, he's a good player. I mean, he's an Olympian. He was on the Olympic team. Um, so that right there is a, is a huge accomplishment. He is a good player. Um, is he a great player? It doesn't seem like it, at least not anymore. But he's a, he's a good player, you know. He's, he's decent, um, Jeremy Lin is kind of the same thing. He's he's a decent player. He's a decent point guard. You know, he has moments. He's aggressive. He's not he's not scared. He forces his way right right into the post, which I like. You know, he's very aggressive, which I like. Is he consistent? Not really. Not as much as we want him to be. Um, Kobe's trying to let him take the reins and go go go, and and he's trying, but he's slightly hesitant. But I mean, I think it's unfair to really expect him to be Chris Paul, you know? I mean, he's, 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 well, I was about to say he's, he's Derek Fisher, but he's not, he's not Derek Fisher. I mean, skill-wise, okay, he might be comparable to Derek Fisher, but Derek was a much better uh, three-point shooter, and Derek was a far better leader and a locker room presence than Jeremy Lin. Not saying that Jeremy Lin is a bad locker room presence at all. He's not. He's a good kid. He's got a good attitude. But Derek is Derek. I mean, Derek was the man, and he he could lead a team, you know, with with his his vibe. People followed him. He was a, he was a natural leader, which is why now he's a coach. The first year after uh, retiring, so it's not a it's not an accident that that happened. Uh, should we just cut him? No, I don't. Th- I don't think we should cut him. Look, the the fact. I mean, we got both of these guys on the cheap. You know, we we were gonna pay Pal twenty million dollars for two years, ten million bucks a year. He walked and said we got Carlos Boozer to replace him. Basically, kind of trading him from Chicago, even though it wasn't a trade. But he came from Chicago. Pal went to Chicago, and Carlos Boozer were paying what two point five something like that, as opposed to the ten we were gonna pay Pal. So, you know, we're not shooting ourselves in the foot in terms of luxury tax. We're not shooting ourselves in the foot in, in terms of not being flexible. Um, if, if, they play, if Carlos plays well and if Jeremy Lin plays well, they start really stepping up and playing well, maybe we could get, uh, you know, some, some trade value for them. Maybe they'll help us win a couple games. You know, it depends on what's out there. And if not, if they don't play well, 
then at the end of the year, their contract, both their contracts expire. They're both on one-year contracts here. So there's there's really no pressure. You know, hopefully they'll do well. If they if they do cool, we win games. If they do well, we don't win games. Maybe we can trade them. And if not, we can let them go at the end of the season. We won't have to eat any contract or or be put in a bad position in any way. So we're kind of in a good position, I think, uh, with with both of those guys. And uh, Joe asks, he says, if things continue to be this bad, do you think we should go into rebuild mode and hope we land a top five pick so we keep the Phoenix pick? Okay. Um, newsflash, we're in rebuild mode right now. Okay, we are full on in rebuild mode. Uh, Mitch Kupchak had every opportunity to trade that seventh pick that we had to try to get somebody in here, get a veteran presence, and he chose not to. You know, that means right there that he's putting stock into the future. We are we are rebuilding. You know, when was the last time we even had a high draft pick? 1982, when we drafted James Big Game Worthy. That was the last time we had a top 10 draft pick. That That's huge. That's crazy. So we are, every other time we've had a pick, we've traded it. You know, so so the fact that Mitch didn't trade it and he picked Julius Randle is his he is we are looking for the future. He's looking to build the team for the future. That means we are currently full on in rebuilding mode right now. Okay. We have the veteran players that we have are on short term contracts. We're not committed to, to anybody anymore. We're trying to get the most we can out of the young guys we have, like Wesley Johnson. Um, and Ed Davis, who I think was a fantastic acquisition for us this year. Uh, I talked about that on the last podcast. Man, I, lo- I love this kid, and and I still want him to start, like I said last time. Um, nothing against Jordan Hill. I think he's great, but the thing with, with Jordan is that if he has the least bit of injury, this is what I've at least what I've seen from the last year or so, if he's not 100% completely healthy, it really affects his effectiveness. Sorry to be redundant, uh, but but it makes a big difference with him. If he's one hundred percent healthy, he's great. He's a beast. He's a beast down low. He's a beast on the boards, and he, and now he's got that little fifteen footer that he's dropping regularly. Nice. He he does really well, and right now he's playing he's playing really well. So as long as he's nice and healthy, he's uh, he does well. But I really like the play of. Of Ed Davis and how he's developing, really, really nice. Um, so yeah, hope we land a top five pick so we keep the Phoenix pick. Yeah, he's referring to our 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 pick that we gave to Phoenix for, for Steve Nash. Uh, it's conditional if we are so bad that we get a top five pick uh, in the draft, then we keep the pick. But if it's lower than the top five, then Phoenix gets the pick. So if we suck bad enough to get a top five pick we get to keep it uh for any better than that then phoenix phoenix gets the pick so should we hope to land that pick i mean sure yeah no i don't see why not why we wouldn't hope to get it i mean i don't think we should do anything to make sure we get it as in like tank or anything but um i mean i yeah i i hope we get it i'd like to get more uh, high draft picks so we can build the team through the draft, you know, and then maybe a, a couple trade or two next uh, next summer and maybe uh, we'll be competitive. Um, okay, next next question. This one comes from, uh, from Anthony. Um, he, this is his first question of the season. 
Uh, Anthony says, is it good for Kobe to always be taking so many shots? Um, or should he be more of a facilitator and try to get his teammates to score more? This is a very, very popular question in the media right now. And it's it seems to me almost everything that everybody ever talks about in, in sports news and sports media is, why doesn't Kobe pass the ball? Should he be taking so many shots? Should he be more of a facilitator? Get his teammates to score more. And here's, okay, here's, here's my take. I have a take on this. I have an opinion. And, and this goes not, not necessarily to Anthony, but to other, anybody out there who is complaining that Kobe's a ball hog or that Kobe doesn't pass to his teammates enough or uh, that Kobe shoots too much. Okay. My answer to that is uh, watch the games. Okay. Don't just watch SportsCenter. Or don't just look at the stats, but watch the games. Okay, I watch every single Laker game. Okay, every single game, and I had I have for years. Okay, Kobe passes the ball. To say that Kobe doesn't pass the ball is a little bit annoying to me because he does pass the ball. He passes the ball all the time. Guys don't make shots. Okay, and the time that he doesn't pass the ball is at the end of a game when the game is on the line and the shot is needed. Okay, we've had a couple couple games that have come down to the wire. Kobe's had the ball, and no, he has not passed the ball. Okay, but here's why he doesn't pass the ball. Because he knows that during the course of the game, he needs to be able to get his teammates involved. He needs to get the guys the ball so they can get up their confidence so they can play better. But do they actually have the confidence that's the question that I think Kobe knows the answer to right now, and the answer is no. Okay, so let me ask you. Let me ask you this kind of rhetorical question. Anybody who's listening, because I know I can't hear your responses. But end of the game, game is on the line, game is tied, last few seconds of the game. Kobe has the ball. Who do you want him to pass it to? Okay, who do you want to take the shot? Or more specifically, who else on the team do you think wants to take the shot? That's the question. That's the question we need to ask ourselves. And that's the question that anybody needs to ask themselves when they come out with this with this argument. Who else on the team, other than Kobe, wants that last shot? You know, and I think if you're honest, honest with yourself and honest about this team, I, I can't think of anybody who I think would want that last shot. You know, you, you know who would want the last shot? Jordan Farmar. He would want the last shot. Jody Meeks would want that last shot. Those guys are gone. Okay. Powell would want the last shot. I don't. We don't have a guy, another guy on the team, as it is right now. As of right now, who I believe wants the shot. So, so why, why are we going to let these guys? Because what happens? Kobe gives the ball up in the last few seconds when the pressure's on, when the game has to be won, and the person, whoever it is, who he passes to, is gonna might take the shot, but they're going to get the ball, and their thought is going to be, "Crap! I hope I make it." And guess what happens when that's your thought process before you take a high-pressure game-winning shot? If that's your thought process, I hope I make it you're not going to make it, okay? The only way is if, if you get that ball and as soon as you get it, your thought process is, yes, here we go. Here I go. Watch this. And I don't believe, as of right now, 
there's anybody on the team who has that mindset, that has that kind of confidence, the, the kind of confidence that people read as arrogance in Kobe, that people misread as, as arrogance. It's not arrogance. It's confidence. It's that confidence, that game in-game confidence that you can only get from working harder than everybody else, from working hard as you can every single day, every single day, like Kobe does. That's why he has that kind of confidence. I mean, that's what you have to have to be one of those players, to be that guy who wants the ball at the end of the game, to be that guy who wants to take the shot. You know, The problem right now is the other players on the team for whatever reason, one reason or another, just don't have that confidence right now. And until they do, they're not going to make the shot. You know? Oh, another, another guy who had that confidence, who we don't have anymore, was Steve Blake. You know, who I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention, uh, talk a little bit about uh, in a minute. But see, all these guys who had the stones to actually get the ball and go, yes, check this out. I'm going to win this game are gone. And the new guys haven't yet developed that confidence yet. They don't have it yet, you know? So until that happens, game is on the line, last seconds of the game, Kobe has the ball and Kobe takes the shot. I'm okay with that. I'm totally fine with that. I think that's pretty much the best situation that we could hope for, you know? And if it doesn't go down, it doesn't go down. It's not going to always go down. But you you know as well as I do, uh, occasionally it does. So I have no problem with Kobe taking the last shot at the end of a close game. Um, I know it's happened a couple times, and, and it hasn't worked out for us. But I'm okay with that. I would rather Kobe taking the shot right now than anybody else. And if you think of, and if you know of somebody on the team who you feel should be the one taking the last shot, that they have the confidence and the stones to do it, let, let me know. Let me know who it is. Maybe I'm overlooking somebody. But definitely let me know, okay? All right, last question uh, or last contributor um, is from Gabe. Uh, Gabe's a longtime listener to the podcast. Um, his first time. So many questions for this year. Excited about it. Gabe says, uh, I was watching part of the Blazers-Mavericks game tonight, and Steve Blake and Chris Kamen, of all people, looked really good. Why'd the Lakers let him go, and did they look good because they're surrounded by other good players, or... Or what? What's the dealio? Well, okay. Excellent, excellent question. Um, no. They're, they look good because they are good. You know, and uh, uh, Steve Blake especially. Um, Chris Kamen was very effective for us last year. Uh, I, don't, I don't think D'Antoni really knew how to use him, and he was kind of inconsistent with his minutes, so he never quite knew what his role was going to be game-to-game, day-to-day, and I think that kind of affected his consistency a little bit, but I thought Chris Kamen was a great player. Um, I, I wanted to keep him. You know, if you ask, there, there was one, there was an interview last year, I don't remember if it was at the end of the season or after the season was over, but somebody asked Kobe who he wanted uh, to return. I mean, they didn't ask it like that. It wasn't as direct as that, but that, that's kind of the gist of the question. And people were, like, really surprised because one of the guys that, that Kobe named, besides obviously Powell, was, was Chris Kamen, uh, that he, he would like him back, you know. And the reason he said that is because, yeah, because he's a good player. He's a, he's a very effective player, 
you know, and in, and in good systems surrounded by other good players, he can be really, really effective. You know, I I liked Chris Kamen. I thought he was a great get for us. I thought D'Antoni kind of ruined him, just like he ruined Powell, um, which is a bummer. But I, I think Chris Kamen's a great player. And and Steve Blake is fantastic, I think. He, he's he's that dude. Talking about, talk about having stones, okay? Steve Blake, that's why they called him White Mamba. You know, he was this little, short, little white dude, but... He was tough as nails, man. He's he was a fantastic backup point guard. I loved when he came in the game when he had the ball when he was running the team because he could distribute. He could he could run the offense. He could make shots. He could make threes. He, man, Steve Steve Blake is a great player. I think he's a great player, and I think the fact that Steve and Chris Kamen are on the same team is is kind of cool for that team. Where do they where do they go? Portland. I think they're both in Portland right now. Um, yeah, who we're playing soon, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it's, it's because of the trade that all of a sudden they got good. I think both those guys were good already. You know, when, when we, when we let, when we traded Steve Blake, that, that was for me, that was, that was huge. That was basically the end of the season last year for me when that happened, that, that was a message that I read that Mitch realizes we're done for this year. I mean, which anybody could have figured out at that point. But trading Steve Blake to Portland for um, crap. I don't remember who he traded for. So we got two guys. I don't remember if was Xavier one of those guys, but they they're not on the team now. I don't think. Uh, was throwing in the towel basically. That 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 was it. You know, you wanted you wanted Rocky to throw the white towel when when Apollo was fighting Drago and he didn't. Well, Mitch threw the white towel, and uh, and it was game over. So as soon as we as soon as we let Steve Blake go, that that hurt my heart when that happened, uh, because we we got worse as a team with that trade. The team got worse. So that that's probably the only trade that has happened or been attempted that I can think of that uh, Mitch and Jim have done recently that I did not agree with and that I did not see the advantages of getting rid of Steve Blake. Big, big blow to the team because uh, he's, a, he's a great player. You know, so there you go. All right, well, I've gone, uh, I've gone a little long. I'm going to try to keep, at least for a little while, try to keep the podcast down to to just dealing with your questions um, so that I can keep them relatively short. We'll see how that long, we'll see how that lasts because I, I have some issues that I kind of want to talk about also as we, as we get going in the season, um, some of which I kind of happen to do. I threw in a little bit of stuff today in this podcast, but I can elaborate a lot about some, some ideas that I have, but it's going to be, it's going to be a long season folks. So, um, you know, keep, keep, keep the faith. We're don't, don't get discouraged so that you don't watch the games, watch the games because if nothing else, Kobe Bryant is going to go down as one of the best basketball players ever to play the game. And right now he's playing. And once he's done, once Kobe's done, whether it's at the end of next year when his contract actually expires, or it could be tomorrow, it could be at the next game. If Kobe suffers another major injury, 
like the last two he's had, that may be it, folks. We're that close to the end of the Kobe era. It could happen at any time. So watch every game. Enjoy every moment and and appreciate having a guy that's that talented and been around for that long and has that many NBA miles on his body who is out there giving every single thing that he has. Just look at him. Look at his face. We, the last game, we played Phoenix, and we lost. And Byron, because we didn't have another game for four days, he played Kobe more minutes than usual. Played him like 40 minutes, I think he played. And he, he, almost, he almost scored 40 points, scored 39 points. You know, But you look at Kobe out there towards the end of the game, and the dude is exhausted. He's spent, but he's out there giving every ounce that he has. You know, that, that kind of stuff doesn't happen all the time in the NBA. It's, it's very rare that it happens. And I think Kobe is kind of the last of a, of a dying breed of player that I don't really see anyone else kind of cut from that same cloth, per se, as Kobe. You know, when, when, when he's done, it's going to be a completely different ball game. And, and we're going to realize, if we don't realize already, how lucky we were to have Kobe as long as we had him. So I don't, I don't want you to realize that after he's already done. Like, man, I should have appreciated him more when he was playing. Because he's playing right now, and he's, he's playing his ass off every single game. So watch the games and appreciate that. I, I want Kobe to go out there. I want him to stay healthy, and I want him to break every damn record that he can this year and next year. That, that's what I hope for, and that's what I'm rooting for. And I want the team to get better. I'm not rooting for us to lose, even though, yeah, another high draft pick would be good and this and that, but I'm never going to root for the Lakers to lose. I want, us, I want us to win. I want us to be competitive. I want us to, at the very least, be getting better every single game. Just get better, and let's improve the defense. And we talk about it. We talk about it. We've been working on it, but it hasn't really improved nearly as much as we would like it to. Hopefully, it'll start to get better. A lot of it comes with confidence. Um, this whole thing with not having a win is really a blow to the guy's confidence because it's, it's, it's hard to deal with. Winning is a habit. Losing is also a habit. And we're dangerously close of making a habit out of losing. So it, by any means necessary, we need to start winning some games. Now, looking at the schedule, hopefully we'll win a game about end of November because that's kind of the first winnable game that we have on the schedule. But, hey, we've been close in the last few games. Anything is possible. This is the NBA. If guys really start stepping up and playing more consistently, I think we have a shot. We have a shot of, of winning some games, okay? So I really want the team to stay healthy. I want us to keep getting better, and I want Kobe to break every goddamn record there is. Pardon my French, but... um it's a, it's, it's a hard season so far, but I'm in it for the long haul. Hopefully you are too, okay? So don't lose the faith. Don't get down. Let's stay positive, and let's support our team, all right? Go Lakers. Go Lakers.